Blog Talk Radio. Are you a licensed insurance agent or a previously licensed insurance agent? We are the recruiting and marketing arm for an agency that has 60 offices in California, and they are here right now to replicate that model in the Midwest. They are one of the largest sellers of Index Universal Life in the country. We are serious about recruiting and supporting those who are not afraid of success. Would you like to head up your own agency in one to two years? Come be on our team. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue. Give me a call at 773-609-2226 or visit us at www.hiringinsuranceagents.com and let's have coffee. Give me a call, 773-609-2226. Thank you. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Welcome to Chicago's Black Business Network. We're changing the way that Chicago connects to the world. Isn't it time to expose your business to a wider network? We offer social media, marketing, commercials, and more. Call us at 773-609-2226 for more information. That's 773-609-2226. We look forward to connecting you to the world. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you. School choice. Choice allows parents to select the best educational fit for their children. Almentia Academy is a year-round premier pre-K through 12 online school with a fully accredited STEM curriculum. Almentia Academy has more than 250 courses, including programs for homeschooling, college readiness, and online tutoring. Want the convenience and flexibility of educating your children at home? Then visit us today at almentiaacademy.com, where the learning never stops. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you. We're changing the way Chicago communicates with the world. CBBN Business Journals, weekdays at 11 a.m. CST. The Tough Questions, weekdays at noon. To listen now, visit Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com. Sonia Cassandra Perdue, Executive Producer. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to CBBN Business Journal on the Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, executive producer and your host for this segment. Feels good to be back, trying to get back into the group of interviewing and just sharing a lot of things with you. I'm really, really excited. It's a beautiful day in Chicago, and in the midst of the terrible weather on the East Coast, we do hope that all of you are safe as possible. Be cautious, be aware. We want you to get through this safely. And um, as you heard in the opening announcement, uh, we, and the we I'm referring to is Chicago Flag Business Network. You can visit us at chicagoflagbusinessnetwork.com. We are hosting a PR event for writers. We're a social media company, and we do PR. But we, we, we're hosting the Judge by Our Words 2020 project, and it's a writing competition with a few twists. So you writers, you authors, and you bloggers, be sure to visit judgedbyourwords.com for details. 
excuse my voice, is doing a little twist of his own this morning. Now, this morning, we have a special guest, and I would ask that you share this particular broadcast with our younger brothers and sisters who are not returning to school at this time. They're referred to as dropouts, but we know that there is much, 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 much more to them than that and that they have greatness in them. Attorney Daryl Robinson, who is with us today, was once one of those young men. And he is here to share his story with us today because our stories don't end when we're 18, uh, 22, 32, 52. There is still more to us than that. And uh, Attorney Robinson was a high school dropout, and at age 18, he moved from South Carolina to D.C., and got a job as a bellboy. Something happened to him that changed his life, and we're gonna we're gonna let him tell that story. Okay, welcome to the show, Attorney Robinson. Good to have you here. Good morning, Ms. Purdue. Thank you very much for having me on your show, the Chicago Black Business Radio Network. It's a, indeed an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. Wonderful, wonderful. Now we're going to start. Uh, on this interesting story of yours in a moment. Your bio indicates that you live in the D.C. area now, and because this show goes all over the world, we like to share with our listeners um, information about different places in America, okay? Everyone is not a world traveler. So tell our listeners a little bit about where you grew up and then about the area where you live now, if you would, please. Well, uh, originally I'm from uh, a little town on the coast uh, of North Carolina called Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, your, uh, your listeners in Chicago may recognize it as being the home of Michael Jordan, a guy you all may know in the Chicago area. Um, I grew up um, in Wilmington. In fact, um, Michael Jordan was in a senior when I was a sophomore in, in high school, and um of course, um, in my senior year, I dropped out of high school. Uh, I was living with my uh, maternal grandmother, and I moved to the D.C. area uh, to seek employment. Great. So, so while, while you were in the D.C. area, what did you do? Well, um, my first job was um, working, uh, pulling trash, and um a phone company, just janitorial work. And then um, the day I quit that job, I was hired immediately, literally the next day, at the J.W. Marriott Hotel, which is uh, considered the flagship. Uh, That year was 1984, and that was the year the hotel opened. So I uh, literally helped open the hotel. Um, I stayed with the Marriott for 11 years, from 18 to 29. Um, I worked my way from a dishwasher, Al Stewart, up to the bell stand. And um, when I left, I was the bell captain um, of the Marriott. So I worked my whole so life, you, you know. Just, yeah, you, you sound like you were, uh, you had a certain work ethic. To start with, maybe you weren't that interested in school, but you saw so you, that you had a certain work ethic. You, you were a worker. Um, you're going to take well, care of yourself. I kind of attribute that to my upbringing, you know, because um, being raised by an old Southern grandmother and 
you know, she stressed two things in life. Uh, she believed in working hard and faith in God, and she believed with those two things you could go anywhere you needed to go in life. So, uh, you know, I believed her. So, I, you know, I always worked. So it's just um, what I did. Great. Now, when you were, and that's what attracted uh, me to you on Instagram because I saw a picture of you and the champ. So tell us, uh, you met him a few times. It's not like you were hanging out buddies, but tell us about that experience. Oh, yeah. So the picture on Instagram is a picture of me and Muhammad Ali. And, you know, um, working at the flagship, you know, you see all types of people. Um, And I was always looking for, um, you know, black man that inspired me. And the champ was certainly a guy that I looked up to. Uh, I had the opportunity to interact with him on three occasions. And uh, he'd always challenge me and stuff like, you know, you still here? You know you the champ. I mean, he'd say stuff that was just, you know, he knew how to inspire you. Uh, just an everyday common person, he would lift your spirits. He had this it's a it factor. You know, you, you just gravitated toward him. Every time I saw him, I just lit up, you know. And he was an excellent temper, too. You know, the champ always gave me a $50 bill. You know, he was just a great guy and another guy that I, you know, just enjoyed talking with, and he would always be saying positive stuff to you, to me. And so um, I certainly have fond memories of him, and that was a picture we took probably about 30 years ago, the the picture of me on Instagram with the champ. Another guy uh, that I saw for almost two years straight when I was working at the JW was uh, uh, Dick Gregory, and this was at a time when Dick Gregory had this program called the Bohemian diet and it kind of blew up uh in the mid early 80s and so dick had rented out the presidential suite dick gregory was the first black man i saw with a rolls royce he had a silver silver grayish colored rolls royce and he always parked it out front but dick was the same guy that people would see like in these videos Dick would come down and talk to the bellman like for hours at a time. So it was such a privilege just to stand there and talk to Dick Gregory for like hours, for years, you know, at least a couple of years straight he was there at the hotel. And so, you know, uh, I like to think I was 18, 19, 20 around that time, you know, uh, more than 30 years ago. So, you know, time sort of goes by and, you know, the exact year, I can't remember, but I know he was there for a couple of years. And he's another um, brother that had an indelible impression on me, Dick Gregory. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, those are great stories and those are great memories, and those are certainly great men. Today's guest is Attorney Daryl Robinson. Uh, Attorney Robinson, now living in the D.C. area, uh, came from a troubled child to a community leader, and we're sharing these stories with you today. You can reach him at DRob Law or visit his website at DarylRobinsonLaw.com. I'm your host, Sonia Cassandra Perdue, and you're listening to CBD and Business Journal. Now, Tony Robinson, let's go back to your story. Tell us what happened to you that caused you to change the direction of your life. Well, when I was working in the hotel, uh, I always had, like, two jobs. 
And so for about seven years, I worked two full-time jobs. One of my jobs was at a another hotel. Um, it was um, downtown D.C. as well. Um, because I successfully sued them, uh, it's considered um, one of these confidential settlements. But at that particular time, um, they had this manager uh, at the hotel who was uh, saying a lot of racist things and creating a very hostile uh, work environment. And when uh, he went in on me, you know, I I really didn't say too much to him because, you know, there was a street edge about me too. So, you know, when I moved to uh, Washington, D.C., my apartment was right across the street from the notorious uh, drug spot called Wayne Place. So, and I've been to reformatory school in jail. So that's, let's be clear, I do have that background as well. But the guy, he went in on me, and rather than uh, react uh, in a way that I thought, you know, I was used to reacting, um, I retained this attorney by the name of Donald Temple, and he's a noted civil rights attorney in Washington, D.C. area. And um, I sued the hotel. Uh, they settled for a hundred thousand dollars, and I thought, "Wow, the attorney's taking forty thousand dollars. I'm definitely in the wrong business." And <clears throat> Attorney Temple had taken me on a BET show back in the day, and um, he was representing these two young men who had gone into the Eddie Byer store, and they made it, those two young men take the shirt literally off of their backs. And so it was uh, those clients and myself, he took on this BET show called Racism in America, Are We Out of Touch? It's kind of weird because I actually found the um, VHS, uh, what it was then. This was long before CDs and DVDs. So I found it, and I actually still have it. But I went on the show, and I talked about racism in the workplace and how I was subjected to this racial hostility on a continuous basis. And, you know, um, I got a standing ovation, and, you know, Attorney Temple was like, yeah, man, if you ever decide that you're going to go back to school, you just seem to speak so well and tell stories so well that you ought to look me up. So I didn't really think about it. I'm a high school dropout with a GED. I'm just trying to survive at this point in life. I'm happy to get these $60,000. And um, life had, uh, you know, a different challenge for me because in uh, 1998, I was hit by a car, and uh, that changed my life. That put my life on a different trajectory from what it was because uh, I was literally given a 50-50 chance of living, and as a result... um, I lost the use of my right arm, so I was thinking, wow, this is, you know, how am I going to survive? Because I was so used to doing manual labor. I didn't even think that, you know, what what could I do? So uh, this lady came to me while I was still in the hospital from the vocational rehab, and she, you know, asked me about had I ever thought about going to college. Now, you know, when you go through a near-death experience, you know, They say your life flashed before you and all this and that. I didn't have that experience, but I certainly had a lot of time to reflect on my life, you know, and how I 
you know, pretty much been abandoned by, you know, my family, had gone to uh, juvenile detention center, had been, you know, homeless as a teenager. And I thought about all of the horrible things that I've been through that led me up to this point in my life. So I kind of threw myself a pity party, and then I, you know, I had to be honest with myself. I knew I'd always wanted to be an attorney, and I thought about it on numerous occasions. And I remember even back in high school, my um, English teacher, Miss Barnett, you know, and her husband was Judge Barnett, who had actually sentenced me to that indefinite sentence when I was 14 years old. So, you know, she had us write a story about what we wanted to be in life and. I told about, you know, wanting to be an attorney, and she just embarrassed me in front of the class. She says, well, you know, you've got to have great grades, and you got to graduate from high school, you got to do really well in college. And so, you know, that's just an unrealistic goal for you. So, and, you know, she just, and shortly after that, I dropped out of high school. So uh, I'm laying on my, my deathbed, and I said to myself, you know, hey, I never gave it a try, so if I live, I promise God, I promise myself, that I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, give it the best try. So um, she helped me, the uh, the lady from vocational rehab helped me get started at a community college because when you have a GED, you can't walk into a four-year school. So I go into Pitt Community College, which is located in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. It's a feeder for uh, East Carolina University. One, uh, I think the second largest community college in North Carolina. So um, I go there, and I, you know, it had been 16, 17 years since I dropped out of high school, so I had to start with remedial courses, remedial English, remedial math. But, you know, I humbled myself. I went through all of that, and I just got some inspiration. I still haven't really figured out how I was able to pull it off, but I had like a 3.78 grade point average. I was walking through the cafeteria one day, and uh, they were having a college fair where four-year schools come to recruit to see if people want to transfer and get a bachelor's degree as opposed to getting an associate's. Now, I knew I had this plan in the back of my mind that I knew I had to get a bachelor's in order to make it to law school, so I stopped to talk to this lady from a little small school in Wilson, North Carolina, called Barton College. Uh, Barton College is the only uh, four-year school in Wilson, North Carolina. It's a lily white private school. So she's telling me all about the college and how all my 64 credits that I earned in one year and one semester would transfer. And I'm doing the calculation in my mind. I said, well, I can get a four-year degree in like three years. So this sounds like a good plan. So she's telling me all about the school, and then uh, she's pretty much sold me on it. And then something dawned on me. said, well, ask her how much is the tuition. And when she told me what the tuition was, I said, look, there's absolutely no way I could afford that. I'm not going to waste your time. I don't, want you, I don't want you to waste my time. So I got ready to walk away, and she called me back. She said, sir, come back for a moment. She said, what type of grades you have? Now, having promised God and myself that, I was going to do my best. I had a 3.78. And she said, well, you're just the type of student we're looking for. What I'm going to do is weigh the application fee today. I'm going to apply you for an academic scholarship. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Because even if I got to come up with, you know, half the tuition, you know, 
I don't think I could do it. She said, well, if you get a full academic scholarship, all you have to do is pay for your books. Well, she had my attention there and the rest with regards to um, Barton College was history. I know that I applied for acceptance and the scholarship, and uh, that was in uh, springtime, and that fall rolled around, and I was. And there you were. There you were. Oh. And uh, a couple of things uh, that you mentioned, the person who was discouraging you, we're going to do a show on that. That uh, not only happens uh, in uh, academics, it happens in the workplace. And there's, uh, I have a community um, psychologist who does shows with us, and we're going to talk about that because that happens a lot. And parents don't know that this is happening. Well, you were an adult. Well, maybe, no, you were a child. But parents don't know that these discouraging demar- uh, remarks are being said to their children. There's, there's a word for it, and there's... Uh, certain effects that it has on children and what's going on with them and, and their belief system about themselves. So we're going to do a show about that. And uh, But there's always somebody out there who, who turns uh, help turns us around as well. Thank goodness for those people. Uh, sure. Because the lady from Barton did not have to go the extra mile to help you or to inform you. Some people do not. But along our way, we find we find these Marvins and these people in our lives, and those are direction changes as well if we still have the courage to pick ourselves up and go forward. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Our guest today is attorney Daryl Robinson, and he's sharing his, his journey with us uh, from high school dropout to uh, attorney at law. Okay. Now, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your experience at North Carolina Central Law? Because we do want to uh, ask you a couple of more things that you notice half hour goes fast. Goes fast. So just oh, tell us sure. a little bit about your experience at North Carolina Central Law School. Well, um, of course, I, I went on to graduate magna cum laude number one in my major from Barton College. I always say it was what was it like? It was uh, me and the 10 black guys on the basketball team. They didn't have a football team. So I graduated in May 2002, and by now, uh, because the Wilmington Journal had come out to cover my story, you know, the high school uh, dropout graduating magna cum laude and all this, I uh, stepped on the gas. You know, I'd taken the LSAT, did fairly well, and I'd gotten re- like 41 recruitment letters, but I wanted to stay in state, and I was very conscious of how expensive law school was. So I applied to only one law school, and that was North Carolina Central School of Law. And the reason for me applying there was because I knew and I read the history that they had trained many civil rights attorneys uh, during that era. And so that was very important to me. And so and I knew that uh, they would have a vested interest in the type of attorney that they were turning out. So that's where I wanted to be. And fortunately enough, I um, was accepted into North Carolina Central School of Law. I started there in wow. August of 2002. And um, as soon as I started, you know, life, you, you never know what's going on because right now uh, the people on the East Coast and Carolina, they're dealing with this hurricane, but... 
in 2002, there was an ice storm that came through central uh, North Carolina, and um, we were studying for exams, and electricity had gone out for weeks, and, you know, they didn't uh, allow you to just, you know, hey, we're not going to do these exams. So, you know, we studied. You wouldn't get it out of it like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. That first year was extremely challenging. And, um, you know, I got uh, I got sick. I went in the hospital with the pneumonia. And I literally, I was like, no. I said, well, you can't leave the hospital. I said, no, I'm leaving this hospital. And so I literally um, left the hospital and went back to law school because I had come too far to give up. I wasn't going to go out like that. I said, you know, look, I'm going to do this or die trying. This, I've come too far. I'm not I'm not giving mm-hmm. up. So You um, had to make it through. Mm-hmm. I had to. See, no, once you make up your mind, to. the mind is a very powerful thing. And what you believe in your mind, so is a man thinketh, so is he. So if you start believing the negative stuff, you're not going to do it, then you won't do it. But I had made up my mind that, Whatever it takes, I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, I made it through the first year, and that was a challenge. The second year, they say they they scare you to death the first year, they work you to death the the second year, and then they bore you to death the third year. So (laughs) (laughs) I made it through my three years of law school. Oh, absolutely. All good. It's all good. Now, tell me what kind of law you specialize in now. Well, in, in Maryland, we're not allowed to use the the term specialize. You know, it's just Maryland rules. Oh. But, you know, we're allowed to say that we focus our practice on, uh, you know, we concentrate our practice on. I do criminal defense, very little criminal defense. Um, I used to do a whole lot uh, back in the day um, when I moved back. To graduate, I moved back to the um, D.C., Maryland area, and because I didn't know anybody other than Donald, uh, the attorney, Donald Temple, you know, that was the only person I knew, so I called him, and he said, no, man, I'm glad to hear about your success, but I don't have any openness right now, so I went to go volunteer at uh, the public defender's office as a clerk. And then they talked me into taking a paid position. That led to me getting the opportunity to clerk for a circuit court judge, uh, Judge Maureen Lamazin. She uh, retired back in 15, but clerking for her and uh, learning the ins and outs of how everything worked behind the scenes as far as the judges' chambers is concerned, that was an uh, invaluable experience for me. I just, you know, I'm so grateful and honored to have had that opportunity. So then I um, started it. I left there, and I was a public defender for a little under two years. So naturally, when I went into private practice in December 2007, my primary focus was criminal defense because that's what I'd done. I'd done jury trials, bench trials. I just, you know, I, I knew that I was very comfortable in there. Okay. But okay. I feel like you have to what challenge your yourself. Fo- what is your what is your focus now? My focus now is um, personal injury. I do high-volume auto accidents. But while I was at Central, uh, I made uh, a promise to a great professor. A lot of people don't know him. 
His name is Julius Chambers. Uh, he's considered one of the, the greatest attorneys. He's right up there with Thurgood Marshall, Julius Chambers. And he made me promise that I would do something with civil rights. So I've been doing police brutality for uh, some years now, probably about nine or ten years I've been doing police brutality. And um, recently I've been and very that's a, that's a whole other show right there. Now, oh yeah, it is. You know, uh, okay. You know, everybody now seems you to have, be emboldened. Go ahead. Yes, true. Now, uh, in the next thirty seconds or so, because the show in half an hour goes very, very fast. Give us wow. some closing remarks and tell us how we can reach you. You didn't know that, did you? It goes very fast. So, in the last thirty yeah. seconds, give us some closing remarks and tell tell our audience how we can reach you. We, we it's been great to hear your story. Go ahead. Well, um, right now I've, I'm doing uh, TV shows. I'm a legal analyst on three different TV shows, uh, Fatal Attraction. Uh, I've filmed many episodes for them. I'm on Snapped and Kill a Couple, and you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at uh, D-A, Real, D-Rob, uh, on Instagram, the Real D-Rob. D-A-R-E-A-L-D-R-O-B. And so I'm on Instagram, and um, if you're in the DMV area, something comes up, I can be reached um, at um, via email. That's uh, droblaw1 at comcast.net. So that's my contact information. And I just, you know, I believe in inspiring people and I endured the, the the dream thieves myself, people who, you know, don't don't encourage our young people or anybody. So every opportunity I get, I try to pay it for it. And so that's why I go down to the juvenile detention center and I speak to the young guys or anybody that, you know, hits me up. You know, I'm always telling them, you know, get busy pursuing your dream. Find out what your passion is, you know. Whatever it is, just get busy doing you know, because time will go by, and you never want to look back and say, I could have, should have, would have, you know. It's okay to fail, you know. You can get back up, you know. I've been knocked down about seven times. I just got up eight, and failure is not an option. So that's why I'm a winner, because I just keep getting up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our guest today has been Attorney Darrell Robinson, attorney at law, and now living in the D.C. area from troubled child to community leader. We love sharing these stories with you. You can reach him at Law, and his website is DarylRobinsonLaw.com. I'm your host, Sonia Cassandra Purdue, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Come back again. Listen to us at Chicago's Black Business Radio Network anytime, anyplace. Thank you so much. <laughs>